Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When's the last time we talked about Matt Huffman on this podcast? Yuck, yuck, yuck. We're talking about him today. It's Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn here with Lisa Garvin, Layla Tassi, and Laura Johnston. After his efforts to defeat the abortion and marijuana amendment went down in flames on Election Day, with Ohioans rejecting him in landslides, Matt Huffman promised a revolving door of efforts to kill the right to abortion. Turns out Mr. Huffman is given to a lot of hollow huffing and puffing. Layla, what does he say now? Well, Huffman is now joining other Republicans, including Mike DeWine, who are calling to to pump the brakes on any effort to repeal or replace the abortion amendment, at least for the next year. The reason for that, if you read the tea leaves, is is it appears to be because Senate Senator Sherrod Brown will be up for re-election. And they're worried that meddling with the abortion issue that voters just approved might boost voter turnout in ways that could only help Sherrod Brown. But you're right, Chris, this was a 180 from Huffman's comments in the hours after the election when he said we should expect endless attempts to undo issue one. He talked about a 15-week abortion ban that he thinks would make a good good compromise between the all-out ban and keeping it legal up to 22 weeks. And state lawmakers have the power, of course, to put such an issue on the ballot. In fact, their next opportunity to do that would be at the March primary. If they were to do that, the filing deadline is in December. So they would have to act fast, but it doesn't really seem like there's an appetite for that so soon. Governor DeWine and, and House Speaker Jason Stevens and the Republican Party chairman have all said this matter should really be put on the back burner for a while. <laughs> it's also a presidential election. You know, he's a guy that just speaks without thinking. It was it was so it was one of those it's like there's no way you're gonna put this on the twenty twenty four ballot with a Senate and presidential race. I'm sure he's heard from the National Republicans saying, Hey knucklehead, what are you talking about? You know, I looked it up. This guy who is wreaking havoc with the state, right? Because he's doing things that nobody in the state really agrees with except the fringe. You know how many people voted for him to put him in position in a state of 8 million people? Mm. 129,000. 1.6% of the population cast a vote for this guy who Uh. wields all this power, does not represent all of Ohio in any way, shape, or form, and keeps trying to do things where it's like his way or the highway. It's Mm -hmm. just a, it's, it's a terrible situation that the leader of the Ohio Senate who's elected by an infinitesimal percentage of the people of this state, can do all the nonsense that he does. Right. It was interesting in the story that that Huffman acknowledged that the passage of issue one and two appears to be telegraphing the message that Ohioans don't want the government to tell them what to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you're right. Yes. Yes. Go with that. You're totally right. But but we're going to do it anyway is his message. They keep doing (laughs) the dumbest things down there under his leadership. We're going to be talking about some of them going ahead. We talked about it yesterday. I'm just glad that Jason Stevens seems to be somewhat saner. He's also another guy elected by a tiny fraction of the people. It's the way government works. You're listening to Today in Ohio. 
With those humiliating losses on abortion and marijuana, are Ohio Senate Republicans resorting to one of their favorite culture war topics to divert attention from the humiliating defeats? Laura, what are we talking about? Well, that's about as good an explanation as anything else, because we're talking about House Bill 68. This bill would bar transgender minors from obtaining hormone treatment and any other gender-affirming care, and it combines it with prohibiting transgender females from playing on girls' and women's athletic teams from middle school all the way up to college. We've talked about this a lot in the past. It's been on pause for a while. The House bill passed the House on June 21st. That's when the sports ban, which was originally a standalone bill, was rolled into the medical bill ban. And then the bill had the first hearing in the Ohio Senate Government Oversight Committee on Wednesday. That starts the legislative process in the Senate. So you, you wonder if they took a break because of the two elections. They're like, let's not anger everyone else. So the idea is the the sponsors say wants to protect kids against pushy doctors and hospital clinics if the kids are experiencing gender dysphoria. That's that unease when their physical gender doesn't align with the gender they identify with. And apparently 23 states have passed similar legislation. But I don't know how many doctors are pushing gender therapy on kids. That seems outlandish to me. Right. It's the culture war playbook. Look, what's happened is they've lost all their momentum. And, you know, in a party led by Donald Trump, who operates on building passion through hate, getting you to hate somebody. I mean, Trump actually Mm -hmm. called his opponents vermin in the Hitler style a week ago. They're saying, hey, people, hey, wait. Forget abortion. Forget marijuana. Remember, you hate transgenders. Let's get back to hating transgenders. I'm seeing a lot of immigration talk again. Wait, we got to get you focused back on immigration and get you angry about that. That's how we win. That's how we get you passionate. I'm sure Fox News and the others are going to pound transgender and immigration again to stop people from talking about that in democracy, the people are taking control as they did in Ohio. You know, that's really interesting because that's an othering issue, right? They're trying to separate people. Immigrants are not like us. Transgender people are not like us because too many people sided on a very reasonable idea about abortion or about legalizing recreational marijuana. There was this accord across the aisles that people were agreeing on that. And they that's not good for the Republican base. That's not good for super far polarizing politics and so they've got to separate people in order that's their you're right that is their playbook it's all party over people this is not governing the people of ohio this is trying to manipulate emotions right and they want to get the attention off of what happened in august and what happened in november forget that you took control forget that the people don't want the government telling them what to do let's get back to hating small groups of people again this is the fringe part of the republican party i don't think This is how most people think, most people in Ohio. But these are the people who've been elected because of gerrymandering. And And because of primaries. So it's just a it's a messed up. I'm not surprised at all that a week after that election, they're trying to divert your attention back to the others like you talked about. I hope saner thoughts prevail. It, It doesn't seem to happen all that often inside the halls of government in Ohio, but behavioral health workers came to the General Assembly. They said this is going to be incredibly harmful to kids. And then the sports ban, I mean, we've had talk about this before, but while they say it's not fair to girls who are born girls to compete, 
it's a very, very small, like minuscule number of kids, a couple every year who want to play sports. They already have to go through the Ohio High School Sports Association and they have to show that they're on these drugs. And they say these, you know, what they're on makes them weaker. And it's not like we're seeing super girls, you know, like winning everything at the state. Well, we did have one, that college swimmer. Yeah. But you know what? This is so despicable because these are some of our most marginalized and historically disenfranchised groups of people. And they're using them as, you know, the hatred of them Mm -hmm. as as a kind of political glue so that they can pull and, together, you know, they're going to galvanize their base on hatred. Yes. Right. That's and, and then we see acts of discrimination increase, right? We see hate crimes increase because those all go together. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's exactly what it is. And if you think about the percentage of time the legislature has spent on this tiny, really, issue, as opposed to the mammoth problems facing the state, it explains everything. It's It's a attention diverter they're they're counting on ohioans to think like sheep and in august and november the ohioans proved that they don't you're listening to today in ohio this is depressing ohio really is going to be a state that allows drilling under state parks Lisa, what did the commission in charge of this kind of thing rule Wednesday? Yeah, this is just craven. I couldn't think of any other word for it. But the Oil and Gas Land Management Commission granted seven of 10 requests to open state park land to fracking. We're talking about thousands of acres across Salt Fork State Park in Guernsey County, Valley Run Wildlife Area in Carroll County, and Zeppernick Run Wildlife Area in Columbiana County. They did reject a request to frack under Wolf Run State Park. Um, These parcels will go out for bidding as soon as January. Bidders will have 30 days to make an offer, and the bidders' names will not be revealed until they're selected, which seems a little bit non-transparent to me. But the meeting did not go unheralded. There were over 100 protesters at the hearing. They shut it down for 15 minutes. They had to take a recess. They were chanting. They were singing. They were holding signs. There was a lady dressed as Mr. Pennybags from the Monopoly game. She threw some fake gold coins in front of the commissioners. Um, Save Our Parks uh, Representative Randy Pukladnik says that protests are a foreseeable reaction from those who don't want fracking. It's going to make things worse for people in these southeast Ohio counties where they've allowed that to go forward. Ohio Oil and Gas Association President Rob Brundrit had a statement. He says they will review new provisions that were adopted yesterday during this hearing that would limit noise from fracking during the hunting season. (laughs) You have to wonder, given Ohio's recent history of unimaginable corruption with regard to energy issues that at some point down the road, we're going to find out that's what explains this because none of this makes sense. Mike DeWine said from day one, I'm the national, I'm the parks guy. I'm the parks guy. We're going to drill under a park. It just, nobody in their right mind thinks this is a good idea. We already know there's some corruption with it because Jake Zuckerman proved that all sorts of the letters that showed up in support were phony they were faked, and that doesn't seem to matter. They, they, they're doesn't, they don't care. They're going to move forward with it anyway. I, I just, it's, it, this seems unimaginable that in today, given climate change, given everything that's going on, given how limited our state parks are, we would do this, and yet our entire government is doing it. 
And we all know that fracking is bad for the environment. I mean, those chemicals that they use to inject into the shale to open it up, we don't even know what they are. They're not, you know, they don't have to say what it is. Senator Matt Huffman says that fracking should proceed in an environmentally sensitive way. (laughs) He says we can get lots of revenue to benefit the public, like school funding. Hey, there's an idea. And then park maintenance, et cetera. Yeah, it's just selling out the state for the future. I, I, it's unimaginable. I cannot believe this is, I guess, the result of gerrymandered government and a long history of lobbyists running the show down in Columbus. I just wonder if we'll be seeing criminal charges at some point down the road because nothing else explains why anybody would vote for this. I was, right. I was very, oh, I'm sorry, Laura, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say all of those fake, let, well, when, I don't want to say fake letters, letters sent mm. in support that people say they did not knowingly sign their names to it it was it seems like such a big deal even yo said he was going to look into it and it didn't even come up no no it's just it's i i can't believe we're sitting here today and we're actually going it's disgusting and i mean the fact that they (laughs) they were being serenaded by this these parks are your parks these parks are my parks and they just were like sure this is we have so little pristine protected land left in this world and we're going to frack under our state parks. And I'm, I was heartened by the protesters and they say they are not going down without a right. fight. They're going to keep fighting until the first drill goes into the ground. But the fix is in. We got a gerrymandered I legislature. I, you, you're not going to overcome it. <laughs> It's a totally partisan Supreme Court, I'm sure. You'd have to create another constitutional amendment saying, okay, let's not drill in Maybe we parts. should. That seems to be the only way that the people get a say in their government. We need to fix the system. We need to have open primaries and we need to have a citizen commission draw these lines. It's, our government is hopelessly broken. We got a governor who's pretty much non-existent at this point. It, it, the whole thing is kind of collapsing all around us. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Here's another one. We've talked repeatedly about Frank LaRose's incompetence as Secretary of State. Turns out he's not a very competent political candidate either. Layla, what rule is he violating? Well, under the longstanding laws and Senate rules, Senate candidates have to file a report disclosing their personal finances within 30 days of beginning a run for office. And up against that deadline back in in August, uh, uh, LaRose asked for and received a 90-day extension. Well, that deadline was this past Tuesday, and he blew right past it. (laughs) So his campaign says it, it will come next month. A spokesman pointed out that there's a 30-day grace period before the campaign would get fined $200 for being late. So they're saying they're just using all the time available (laughs) to them to get this together. And they said anyone who wants to look at LaRosa's finances can check out the the less detailed financial disclosures that he has been required to make as a state elected official. It's amazing that a guy whose job is completely based on deadlines, the election calendar is one deadline after another, is so cavalier about them in his political candidacy. And, And it's really unfair because his opponents have all filed theirs. And they've taken heat for the details within those records. The the public has found out now how many millions Bernie Moreno and Matt Dolan are worth, for example. And LaRose has really gotten to enjoy beating up on that on them for that. While he paints himself as kind of a man of the people with a modest income, he jokes that he's not a millionaire, he's a thousandaire, and that he knows what it means to struggle financially. 
And that may be true, but LaRose loaned his campaign $250,000 last month, and most Ohioans don't have that kind of cash just lying around. So it's uh, He's also very the man of the mysterious. people who worked feverishly to destroy the vote power of the people. So I'm not sure that that moniker works for him. <laughs> You're listening to Today in Ohio. Goodyear has had some of the steadiest corporate leadership in Northeast Ohio with the same guy in charge since early in Barack Obama's presidency. That's changing next year. Laura, what's the plan for the Akron-based company? So CEO Rich Kramer is going to retire in 2024. He's been there for 14 years. And when they announced this, they also announced a plan called Goodyear Forward. They want to transform the company and optimize its performance. Although we do not have a whole lot of details on how they're going to do this because it's pretty easy to say you're going to do that. But I mean, they've had good years during Kramer's tenure. They Goodyear said they had the five highest years income in the company's history. Obviously, he dealt with the pandemic and the acquisition of Cooper Tire in 2021. There's no date given for 2024, but Kramer's going to stay on for a transition. And as for that Goodyear Forward plan, that calls for the company to reduce costs, increase income, restructure its debt, and actively pursue strategic alternatives for the chemical business, the Dunlop brand, and the -the off-the-road equipment tire business. So like we said, not a lot of details here. Yeah, but it's it's interesting how long he's been there because you don't see that a lot in the corporate structures these days. That's a long time. It is a long time. And, you know, Goodyear has a storied history in Akron. Akron even has like a new logo they put on every all of their press releases and their website and everything. And it's a guy with a tire because so people feel it may be like Sherwin-Williams in Cleveland, right? Like Akronites feel a kinship with Goodyear. So anything that that company does is felt in the city of Akron. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with new leadership and with this new plan. You're listening to Today in Ohio. I do not know how we missed this one a week ago. Northeast Ohio's festival devoted Foursquare to the miracle of duct tape is ending after 20 years. Lisa is saying, so why? Yeah, apparently the responsibilities just got too big for the group that does this. So it was part of the Avon Heritage Festival, and they are ending a 20-year run. They've dissolved their committee. They announced this in a Facebook post back on November 1st. The the festival was sponsored by SureTape Technologies, LLC, the makers of duck brand duct tape, which is made in Avon. Uh, They're usually held during Father's Day weekend, and it featured a parade with floats made of duct tape based on a yearly theme that they chose every year. Uh, They had duct tape art displays, people wearing clothing made out of duct tape. It got canceled in 2020 and 2021 by COVID, but they still went on. They featured a scavenger hunt online featuring large sculptures that were made of duct tape by the Art Academy of Cincinnati students. But organizers said, yeah, this was a huge responsibility. It took up a lot of their time and impinged on their personal lives. They say that SureTape still wants to be active in the community and they might hold other smaller events in the future. It's sad because this was such a unique Northeast Ohio event. The the idea that everything was made of duct tape, you know, it's like the, the, the Rose Bowl parade where everything's made of flowers and plant material. 
And it, it just seemed like a staple of Northeast Ohio summer and just poof, it's gone. You'd think that the county or the city would try and figure out some way to keep it going just because it's so unique. And they're probably doing that, Chris. I mean, this is only a couple of weeks old, so they may be sitting trying to figure because it attracted national attention. Thousands right. of people came to this. Yeah. So it kind of made them the duct tape capital of the, of the U.S. So I think it's probably not dead. I think they're probably just going to recalibrate and see what they can do, hopefully. I hope so, because it really was a fun thing, and, and the duct tape people really did support it. They put a lot of effort into it. I certainly understand the organizers. When you read their statement, it sounded like it just was exhausting for them. It was mm-hmm. There were so many demands. So, you know, all right, so maybe you can create a paid position to do it. Uh, it it's certainly better than a lot of the events we have around here every summer. Uh, we'll have to see if you're right about it coming back. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Many support and many question the plan to put a bicycle highway down the center of Superior Avenue in Cleveland. Layla, is it going to happen? This is a $24.5 million project that's been in the works for about a decade. And yes, it appears that it is now fully funded and it's entering this final detailed design stage. And that has all the bike advocates very excited But it has others, like business owners along Superior, a little stressed out about how this is going to affect their on-street parking and their truck deliveries and all of those important logistics of running a business. So Tuesday night, dozens of residents and business owners were invited to this meeting to comment on the plans that will inform the fine-tuning that has to happen next. There's a publicly available survey online, and they'll be taking feedback throughout the winter. But the upshot is that This is going to be the first leg of a potential 65-mile network of bike lanes that would mostly occupy former streetcar lanes. On the east side, the idea is that the the midway could be connected to a new lakefront trail that's being spearheaded by Cleveland Metro Parks and the county and the Metro Parks' other park revitalization plans. And plans for a second midway leg on Lorraine Avenue are still underway, but the city needs to finish raising money for, for construction for that. But bike advocates feel like at this pace, it's going to take a century to complete the entire system that they're envisioning. Because, of course, you have to find the money to fund all these projects. And also, there are a lot of people and interests to take into consideration here. Mm-hmm. You know, as I said, business owners are really concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've talked about the safety concerns because it is in the middle of the road and how that might play out. We've I think we did a story looking at how something similar has worked out elsewhere. Um, but we all know, cause we had an office there for many years. That is one wide gulf of a road that you could do more with. It's certainly wider than is needed for the traffic that's on it. But may I point out that this project is going to cost just under $10 million a mile. <laughs> that is really, really expensive for a 2.5 mile stretch of th- road. And then if you, and then the police department is going in at what, like 22nd and superior. Are they going to have issues getting in and out there? I, I really see the issue with businesses along superior. Yeah, I know it's, it, it has very serious questions and that's why it's a little bit surprising that it's full speed ahead, but I guess it is. You're listening to today in Ohio. One of the biggest names in Ohio public relations is getting bigger. How is the venerable Dixon Eaton growing almost overnight, Laura? 
Well, they're buying a firm in St. Louis uh, called Standing Partnership. So to combine, the two firms are going to have more than 70 employees. They're going to keep their operations separate. They keep staffing and headquarters in both Cleveland and St. Louis. Everyone will be included in Dixon Eaton's employee ownership program. Again, like my last story, not a lot of details here, but they say the two companies specialize in different forms of communications, PR, marketing, stakeholder engagement, which, yes, now I said stakeholder on this podcast. I almost said stakeholder on the last story when we were talking. <laughs> but I called you talking. out when you did that last time. So now you're gun shy. It was on the tip of my tongue this time. Never again. <laughs> That's just one of those words that roll off your tongue, stakeholder. So, um, yes, they will be um, growing in size because they're buying the company. All right. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Voting on this was quite popular, so let's talk about the winner. Lisa, who makes the best donuts in Northeast Ohio? Well, obviously a very subjective poll. And I actually, I voted early and often. <laughs> I kept going back to look at the results. But number one is Donut Land at 1321 Pearl Road in Brunswick. Brunswick, they got 24.4% of the votes. Behind them was Big Mouth Donut Company, which is 19265 Detroit and Rocky River. And number three, a lot of people love Jack Frost. I was like, meh. Um, that's at 4960 Pearl Road in Cleveland. Um, the voting was very spirited and it kept changing. When I was looking early on, Biagio's, which is in East Lake on Vine Street, was, you know, in the lead for much of the voting, but they dropped back. Also on the list, my favorite, Goldie's, which is in Lindhurst in Cleveland, Nick's Donuts, Aurora in Chagrin Falls, Spud Nut in Berea, Brunut's Donuts and Beer at 6501 Detroit, uh, George's Donuts in Twinsburg, and Maggie's Donuts in Middlefield and other locations all made the top 20. But yeah, I was like, Biagio's, they don't even make cake donuts. I've never been to Donut Land, but I'm intrigued, so I'll have to go and check it out. All right. I, I got to acknowledge, I haven't had a donut since before 2001 because oh. I have celiac <laughs> disease and it's for me, it's poison. But is it really that much of a difference between donuts from place to place? I think so. I, I'm a cake donut girl. Yes, hundred percent. You know, and Goldie's has cherry cake donuts, which I don't think anybody else in the city has. But yeah, that was my problem with Biagio's. I went there because everyone's like, "Oh, it's so good." And I walked in. I'm like, "Where are the cake donuts? They don't make them." I'm like, "See ya." So what? What is a cake donut? It's not a pile of dough thrown in a fryer. Is it made differently? The dough is different. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's de it's definitely denser. Yes. Um, and the way, I mean, because like a Krispy Kreme like glaze, you'll like pull apart and it's really fluffy. Right. right? A, a cake donut tends to be smaller. And I should know what goes into this. I've actually toured Big Mouth Donuts with Girl Scouts and it was really cool to see. But um, yeah, cake donuts, a sour cream cake donut, mm. especially when it's warm, mm. that is delectable. Mm -hmm. And I do. The only thing I object to are, are like those savory donuts that are all, all the rage. <laughs> like with bacon like, on it? Yeah, like a bacon, ham, and cheese donut or something. <laughs> right. Like, absolutely I don't like not. filling. Like, I do not want to eat a cream filled. Like, no. I, like, I'm with you, Laura. I like it just like a, you know. So the punch keys are not my thing. <laughs> Because those all have filling. So, 
any debate about who is in the top five or do we feel pretty good about how the voters voted? Well, I, I do like Big Mouth. They actually started out at East 55th and then they moved to Hingetown and now they're way out in Detroit and their their donuts are pretty good. I've been to Jack Frost once. I was like, eh. I think people have their favorites, yeah. right? And it, it's a lot of them are family owned and they've gone there forever. So yeah, I, but Big Mouth is in my town and um I think they're great. Now, do I go and get a box of donuts every weekend? No, it's a special treat. And donuts are something that you really have to buy, right? Nobody makes donuts at home. I mean, they? you can. Yeah, it's you a lot to, of work. It though, is. Right? You have to have a fryer. and yeah. We have a donut maker. We've never tried it. Somebody gave it to us as a Christmas present. It's like, <laughs> it looks like, a, looks like a waffle iron. Huh. But okay, well, kind of dough you put in. As I said, the voting on this was through the moon. When we do ratings on pizza, on donuts, and a couple of other topics, it always brings out passion. And it did here. Check out the stories, they're all on cleveland.com. We're going to be visiting each of the winners to talk about what makes each special. You're listening to Today in Ohio. That closes out the Thursday discussion. Friday will close out the week of discussion. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Layla. Thanks, Laura. Thank you for listening to this podcast.